0: Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Ree Kemp Davies with me. Ree is a Welsh, queer, non binary, trans masculine sex and relationship therapist. They are the only trans sex therapist in Wales and has a private practice in South East Wales. Ree also works for the Trans Plus project based in 516th Street London, which is revolutionising the gender identity clinic experience for trans people. Ree is the psychosexual therapist in the team. Ree, can you please tell the listeners that brought you to this work?
1: Hi Becky, thank you for that. And I'm very excited to be here with you. Uh, Thank you, thank you for having me here. Um, I feel like I got to this point in my career in quite a convoluted way. Um, So I'm gonna try and make a short, a long story short. Um, I, so I worked, okay. So I spent quite a bit of time um, trying to become a famous performer. That's what I wanted to do with my life, and as a result of that, I studied it and I tried to get out there. I used to be stand-up comedian for a little bit, and um, and then I worked in theatres a lot. I worked in a lot of theatres front of house, and then I got to a point where I was like, I wanted I don't want to work in theatres anymore. It's not getting me anywhere, Uh, so I decided to work in my favourite sex toy shop. uh, That's uh, Shush in London, and then um, turns out I was really good at it, and I didn't even know that I was, and um, I kind of working with customers there made me realise how lucky and how fortunate I was to have had some really positive experiences with sex and talking about sex when I grew up and the first couple of partners I had. Um, And then skip ahead, I don't know, five years, six years when I'd turned 30 I got married and I bought a house and I was like oh gosh I still haven't got a proper career I'm fine so um, I decided to open up my own sex toy shop for a while and um, it ended up being online I did sex toy parties and um, I was really into it because I wanted to help women at that time feel liberated and empowered um, so I was kind of like the the opposite of an Ann Summers party in a way. I actually took sex really seriously and I took pleasure Mm. seriously which I think made people feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes because usually when people talk about sex it's about joke, you know it's about joking about a thing Mm. or um, crying about a thing when you're drunk or something so um, when I realised that retail wasn't the vehicle for me to do that in um, I then I was trying to figure out how can I make a career out of being comfortable talking about sex. And I don't know why it took me this long. I mean, I'm 39 now. Um, and then I was like, Oh, I can be a sex therapist. It's so weird. I'm one of those children who grew up thinking that, um, I could be anything I wanted. I had a lot of support from my parents, but I never thought that being a therapist was accessible to me for some reason. Um, so, but I, I did it and it turns out that, um, I'm good at it, and yeah. and I feel I feel like I've landed. I I really feel like um, everything makes sense. And and during that time, ironically, when I f- took my first qualification in counselling skills, that's when I realised I was non-binary too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, like a penny dropped again with that, and suddenly life made more sense because. Um, something just felt like it was missing and I wasn't quite connecting to the planet. It sounds a bit weird saying it that way, but Not to me. I didn't, I didn't. Okay. Thank you. I just <laughs> didn't feel like I was, I was really connected to the world. And then as soon as I discovered that term non-binary, everything really made sense. It was quite a dramatic moment really. Um, and so interestingly, the same year I decided to start training towards becoming a sex therapist was the same time I realized that I didn't have to identify as female nor male and sit somewhere Mm. comfortably in the middle of the
0: two yeah and I completely agree with you with thinking that therapy was almost out of reach I didn't even consider that that could be a potential job that I could ever have and I also I didn't I don't Mm. think I even knew that sex therapy was a thing until I started reading about it um you know I just read that an author of a book that I was reading was a sex therapist and I was like oh my god that's it that's the thing right yes yes how exciting is that <laughs>
1: yeah and why is that why is that who knows but um uh, I suppose you know if you grow up maybe if you grow up in uh, in, in a particular class you know I suppose I grew up in a an upper working class family I think and and even my mum trained to become a counsellor too I mean come on but then she ended up becoming a social worker um but uh yeah it was um glad that you have this same experience that's quite nice that um and and that's what i want i i really hope people are listening to your podcast and Mm. and going oh maybe that's something i can do yeah because um because we need more sex therapists uh, in the UK especially in Wales um, <laughs> um, yeah so for anyone listening seriously I've got a waiting list coming at my ears so so train and and help me out <laughs>
0: well we don't need any more in Brighton we are full so go to Wales everyone <laughs> yeah
1: you're welcome you're very welcome
0: <laughs> so today we're going to discuss gender dysphoria Rhi can you tell the listeners what it is
1: Yes Um, so gender dysphoria it can also be called gender incongruence it depends whether you're reading the DSM-5 or the ICD-11 that's that's uh, boring psychological diagnoses stuff Um, but gender dysphoria or gender incongruence it's it's so when you are born and the person who 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 gives birth no that not the person who gives birth to you the person who delivers the baby that's the word isn't it the person who delivers the baby they see your genitals and they assign you a, a gender they're like okay it's a vagina it's a girl it's a penis it's a boy and then um and then you kind of grow up in that gender role um, and of course there are there is the one percent who are assigned as intersex too so and that's you know problematic in itself with the way that's dealt with mm-hmm. um, so um people grow up being called a girl or a boy and not all of us feel that way. Not all of us feel like we're a girl or a boy. Um, and I suppose the dysphoria comes from that, from being treated in a way that doesn't feel congruent to yourself, that doesn't feel authentic or genuine. Um, so the, the more traditional ways of, or classic ways of looking at gender dysphoria is if a trans man, so that's assigned, somebody assigned female at birth, um, they start transitioning and seeing their chest really distresses them. So dysphoria can be dis- distress and it can just be this disconnectedness. Uh, so for instance, a trans woman who's still got a penis you know and, and and if she wants to wear a lovely dress, you know just knowing that she's got to deal with that at the same time um, so yeah but but those are the more obvious things but dysphoria can also be created by the way a person looks at you or by the clothes you're wearing. and of course the opposite of dysphoria is euphoria. Uh, so so um, gender euphoria is when people are getting your pronouns correct or when you're wearing, in my example, wearing wearing a shirt and, you know, you're feeling lovely and masculine in it. So, uh, yeah, does
0: that explain what gender dysphoria is? Is that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's making me think as well about how. Don't know how to put it, but about how people can. identify, that's the word I was looking for, identify as a man or a woman. And their genitals don't have to match that. And what I'm thinking mm-hmm. about, to give it some context, is about how people say, have you transitioned, right? Mm. And mm. some people, maybe who have a vulva and a vagina, maybe their identity is a man. And it, it doesn't matter that they might not want to, get a penis or they might want to keep Mm. their vulva and their vagina and I think there's something about that that needs to be put into this as well what do you think yes that was not explained well but I think you know me enough to know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) I hope
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so so yeah it's that dysphoria of people you know uh, people asking you when you get in the operation when's the surgery date and things and go okay and that thing of okay well which surgery Mm. and and that idea of a trans man going okay what what at what point will i be accepted as a man yeah. um and you know i i in my job with trans plus i am working with trans men who are really having a lot of trouble over whether they want to have a, an operation to give them um a penis or something like a penis because it's a big surgery it's got a lot of risks and it um It's not easy, uh, which is why uh, another reason why a lot of trans people don't want uh, to have those operations, because it's a very risky risky business. Um, It can, you know, you can lose a life for doing it. You know, Mm. if if you're on the surgery table for that long, there are so many complications, but um, yeah, I'm getting carried away. Did that kind of answer what you're asking?
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking in theory, it's almost like you get gender dysphoria from both sides. So people saying, Oh, well, you're a trans man, so you're not a woman, and then other people saying, Well, you still have a vulva, so you're not a man. Mm-hmm. And it's almost mm-hmm. like that socialization from both sides. It's like, Well, this is what I feel like I am and connecting to the true self without allowing society to put their judgments is just mm-hmm. a whole nother ball game, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and if you were to look at a pie chart of the amount of people who were asked about their genitals, you know, trans people versus cisgender people, uh, who are people who do identify with the gender they were assigned at birth, that then the pie chart would be mostly full of, of trans people, because um, you don't discuss genitals that often unless you're going to yeah. be sleeping with them, really. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And if we think about sex education, so education in the UK mm. for sex is like, very limited um, for mm-hmm. cis heterosexual people, let alone for trans folk, non-binary folk. So, mm-hmm. where can people who experience gender dysphoria find information? How can they access support? Where can they can Where can they get resources?
1: Yeah, they because. I I remember learning that um, most LGBTQ plus people will miss the sex ed lessons because they cause distress, for instance. They just won't go. And
0: Yeah, it just just
1: doesn't fit. And and I remember going to them myself and being like, well, I mean, I'm 39, so the sex education I got was put a condom on this banana and don't catch (laughs) STIs and don't get pregnant. And unfortunately, I don't think it's changed that much, but um, so yeah, with with resources, um, one person I'd love to name is, is Justin Hancock, um, who, um, who he's, re- he's recently written a, a, a book about consent, but also he, uh, there's a website called Bish Ed, um, bishuk.com, I think that website is, um, and what he does, um, he, he talks very, in a very inclusive way about sex education, because Justin Hancock gives sex education, so he talks in a very inclusive way, and um, Scarlatine, um is is quite good too and then oh there's one more so um are you talking about younger people by the way
0: any people yeah
1: yeah so um there's also the um meg john and justin website where mm-hmm. there's not the, the so justin as far as i'm aware is cisgender, straight man um, i think Uh, and then Meg John Barker is a non-binary bisexual person and they create a lot of resources for anyone to access this is the thing I mean that's they really do inclusivity so it means that everyone feels like they can access it Mm. um but we're still lacking in in some in some websites and and places um and you know that's why uh communities on Facebook are so helpful in some ways Mm. because Uh, you know can because those experiences are talked about, but they're just uh oh and i'm I'm just thinking about one more thing is um so there's in universities they have uh, have you called it heard of sex expression yes um, yeah sex expression they they' it's an organization driven by students um and they're set up in different universities all over the country, but um they also, they also give inclusive sex education to
0: people. Mm. That's what was needed. I'm thinking now you should start a blog um, for mm-hmm. people experiencing gender dysphoria with different tips that you've learned and things like that. I think that is needed by the sounds of it, right? So there's more information yes. coming out, but there is not enough.
1: There isn't no, and and actually there's there's only only recently has a book come out about transsex for clinicians actually um, by Lucy Fielding, who's a trans sex therapist and uh, based in America, so. And that's like, oh my God, a book about trans sex, and um, I don't think I have any choice but to write a, U- a my own UK version at some point because oh, uh, yes. yeah, we're still lacking. But yeah yes, blog posts, yeah, um, that's that's also a thing. I'm so busy at the moment, Becky. Um,
0: <laughs> that's why we need more sex therapists in Wales. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Carve exactly. it down. You can write your book. <laughs> yeah. So what difficulties could someone who is experiencing gender dysphoria, um, what difficulties could there be in their relationships, in their life, maybe even their sex life?
1: Yes. So, so first of all, finding somebody to have sex with or have a relationship with, there's that constant discussion in the trans communities about, should I disclose my trans identity, my trans status? Um, and then as soon as that discussion starts, it's like, okay, if I do disclose my trans status on a dating app, for instance, um, am I going to attract people who treat us as uh, fetishes, you know, as, as objects? Uh, so there's, there's a lot of um, mm. thinking that has to go into it about, you know, it, that whole idea of, okay, maybe I won't tell people on my dating app that I'm, I'm trans, but then when do I, you know, I don't want to scare them away first. Um, and that's the reason why so many people date so many trans people date other trans people because it's a much safer space to be in. Uh, so, um, dating is difficult in itself. Mm. Um, trying to figure out, um, you know, who is taking you seriously as a person and who just wants to, for instance, have sex with a woman with a penis or a man with a vagina, for instance, and, Then on top of that, um, when it comes to relationships, it depends where you are in your, in your transition or if you're transitioning, because um, not all trans people, of course, but what a lot of trans people tend to do is, is take hormones if they can, uh, take cross-sex hormones if they can. And that's, that's the most common route uh, anyway. Uh, there are plenty of people who just stay in the bodies they are and some people can't can't take hormones because uh, their body's not in the right place for it and you know their health I suppose Mm -hmm. Um, so when you're in a partnership you and if you're going to transition then that's that can cause a lot of tension too Um, uh, for instance if you realize you're trans whilst you're in a long-term relationship there's that worry about your whether your partner is still going to want to be with you and and I see both sides completely because, um, you know, if you're um, a gay man and you fancy other men, and then your partner comes to realize that they are a trans woman or trans femme, then there, then there is that difficult conversation to have, the way, you know, you as, as the cisgender partner has gotta be thinking, okay, where, how how does that affect my sexuality? And then of course, you know, for instance, my wife being asked if she's still a lesbian, you know, because um, because I'm I'm on on cross sex hormones at the moment. Um, so, yeah, relationships can be difficult, mm-hmm. whether you're trying to date somebody or whether you're in the relationship. Um, and, you know, there's a lot about disclosure and whether you disclose or not. And then do you can't keep secrets from people. Um, and then when it comes to sex. Something that a lot of trans people do, um, just thinking about my clients now. So I should preface this with saying that the job I've had with Trans Plus has been for six months. So had you interviewed me five months ago, I um, I wouldn't have been able to share as many experiences with you. But um, now I've seen more clients, um, I, I'm able to talk more about it, but mm-hmm. I'm still restricted, really. You know, you know I've still got more to learn. Um, but... something that a lot of my trans clients do is dissociate. Uh, So they don't really pay attention to what they're doing. Um, So what we work on is is why they're having sex, because um, if you're having sex just because you think you need to, Mm -hmm. um, then the questions of consent comes in. Uh, Some trans people, they engage in more more risky sexual behaviour because it's difficult for them to feel autonomy over their body. Mm. Um, But I kind of like just skipped a bit then. Dissociation. um, The idea of, okay, um, I don't want people to touch my chest, but I feel weird asking them to touch my chest, uh, to not Mm. touch my chest.
0: Yeah. So it's like, if someone has gender dysphoria, so they don't feel that they're connected to their body, it makes sense to me that if they're in a sexual experience, they will feel dissociated because it's to do with the senses on their body yet they're not connected to their body is that right
1: yeah that's it yeah 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 and it's really tough because um because there you are kind of uh, fantasizing about being in a different body um but they're not yes. seeing that happening re- in, in, you know in real time um and could and-
0: that be a tool? So could that be a, a a tool to help the sexuality imagining that you are um in the body that is your desired body?
1: Yeah, yeah, it it, it can be a tool. Yeah. Um but th- then but then it, you've got to be careful about how often you use the tool and how mm. um how you can maybe get caught up in that fantasy too much and then be and then hit the floor even harder hit the ground even harder afterwards when you you come back into your body and then yeah. you go oh yeah there, there, there's my body that i don't want um so dissociation is one thing and also avoiding sex for instance just avoiding it because it's too much hassle um and there's something about being british and trans where mm. um, most people here in in the uk would agree that e- talking about sex at all is weird um which sounds ridiculous when you deconstruct it but um you know that that traditional idea that classic idea of falling into bed and both having a good time and that whole thing about orgasming at the same time etc but so uh, for trans people you know for instance i spoke with somebody recently who said what i can tell them they don't they can't touch that part of my body and you know just going oh i've got that power to say i want to have sex with you but just so you know um i don't like being touched here or here but the rest is fine um yeah yeah. And then the a big thing I suppose for both so both trans femme people and both tran, and trans and transmasculine people is mm-hmm. a change in libido. If you take cross-sex hormones, um a lot of transmasculine people expect their libido to suddenly go through the roof. Um it doesn't always, but for some transmasculine people who are on testosterone, they can feel like they're out of control all of a sudden. And um, that they don't really know how to deal with this rise in libido. And then for trans women who are used to having um, a pile of testosterone in their body um, and having that spontaneous desire, uh, where which is when, you know, you feel horny, your penis gets aroused and, and erect and you want to have sex, you know. And actually that isn't as simple when you start taking estrogen and you find that your desire becomes more responsive than spontaneous mm. um, which interestingly is quite um affirming in some ways because for some trans women it's like oh i'm experiencing female desire now mm. oh look at me being a woman and so that's interesting but there's also that loss of something really fun which is testosterone going yay penis is hard let's go kind of thing
0: yeah, I love that. And for the listeners, what Re talking about about spontaneous and responsive desire, Re, correct me if I'm wrong or if you know, um, but I think the statistic is seventy percent of women have responsive desire, is something like this, and ninety okay. percent of men have spontaneous desire. So what Re is referring to is that transition, um, allowing them to have responsive desire is putting them in that percentage with the women who have responsive desire too, right?
1: Um, Thank you for, yeah, that's a good explanation,
0: yeah. But I might have the percentages wrong, but it's something like that, right, (laughs) in the ballpark. It it,
1: it sounds about right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think
0: it's that. Um, So I'm thinking about what you were saying before about relationships and how having a new relationship is difficult because when do we tell the partner that we're trans? are there any dating apps for trans non-binary folk or even do we know there, there are there are
1: um yeah but the, weirdly the one that a lot of my clients enjoy is ok cupid um there because go. it's got all the different options and um it's very open and that includes asexual people too they enjoy ok cupid but um mm
0: okay Cupid's i'm so sorry one. becky
1: what i'll do i'm going to give you a couple of links to put in the show notes is that okay <laughs> that's perfect I know there are some but i can they, they're not in my head at the moment of
0: course yeah we'll do that we'll pop them in the show notes page i think that's easier cool. for the listeners anyway because they can just copy and paste
1: yeah
0: um and also are all do all trans people have gender dysphoria no hmm.
1: no they don't and um this is part of a bigger conversation about getting because in order for you to access gender affirming medical care
0: yeah
1: you've got to have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria um and that's mm. the thing that kind of like gives oh. you the ticket to accessing hormones and surgery um so but um there are a lot of trans people who that there are some trans i mean more than, more than not, you know, people mm-hmm. generally, trans people generally experience dysphoria, but um, there are people who, who don't um, um, because, I don't know, for the, the reasons, but um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't mean they go hand in hand.
0: And that means it could make it hard for them to access suitable medical care.
1: Yeah, 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 and then there's this whole thing about hamming it up for the person who's assessing you, yeah, which is really tough, you know, again, you know, you're there trying to get um, diagnosed diagnosed with gender incongruence and there you are feeling very incongruent telling the assessor what you feel they need to hear but yeah. luckily just to balance that out uh that there are more and more assess you know assessors now who um who are totally on board with mm-hmm. the idea that feeling trans isn't doesn't look a particular way mm-hmm. um you know being on binary myself when i had my assessment it was um it was nerve-wracking knowing how honest I could be, but you know, I could, I only, I could only be honest, and yeah. um, and it didn't get in the way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, <clears throat> what can someone who is experiencing gender dysphoria do um, to kind of ease into their sexuality and masturbation practices? How can they mm-hmm. do this in a way that feels suitable for them? <sighs>
1: Right, so thinking about people who are assigned male at birth, uh, so those those who are born with penises, um, but they, turns out that they don't identify with being male, so whether that's non-binary or, or binary trans, um, what I encourage my trans femme clients to do is to, well, actually, this goes for both, is, is to, to start treating their body in the way that they think they that feels right mm-hmm. um and that includes like literally you know like when you're masturbating is is changing the the actions of what you're doing when you're masturbating to make it feel more like you're doing the masturbation kind of strokes or etc that that feel right mm-hmm. um but to be more specific so yeah so for trans men people. Um, there's there's a scene called fucking trans women. I hope the language was okay. I didn't yes. ask you before I said it. <laughs> yes. um, uh, so fucking trans women has been really popular with the trans femme um, community, um, and uh, and and that's more about having sex with somebody. To be fair, so I'll go back to what you're saying. So. Um, is rather than paying attention to what you don't like, is paying attention to what you do like. Mm. Um, And and anyone can learn from that. And and wearing things, you know, you can wear things when you're being sexual with yourself. Yeah. Uh, You know, you don't have to be naked. Um, If, you know, if you're a trans guy and you look at your chest and that really stresses you out, then keep your binder on, you know. Mm. Um, And, you know, binder is, is a top that compresses the chest. Down to make give it a flatterer appearance, but I mean, there are some sex toys that are particularly affirm, you know, validating for, for gender dysphoria when you're having sex, when you're having when you're masturbating. Um, there's there are a couple of toys for penises that just that vibrate that you don't actually have to move your penis in and out of. Mm-hmm. So like hot, the hot, the Pulse by Hot Octopus. Um, and then the cobra libra by fun factory you, you can just place your genitals in there and just it will vibrate or or something like that and it'll just feel really nice and that feels like a more affirming thing to do for trans men people mm-hmm. and then for uh trans mask people so so people who identify more with uh masculine body stuff um there's this this cool porn star called buck angel and he's a trans guy so he's very famous for being a dude with a vagina, and um, he's he's got a lovely collection of sex toys. And when, one's called the buck off, which is made for trans men who have got enlarged clitorises, because that's what hormones does it enlarges the clitoris, makes it into a little penis. And and by using the buck off, you can you can masturbate in a way that feels more congruent with the gender identity, mm. for instance. Um, and then the sat <laughs> any of those vacuum toys are brilliant. So you know the Satisfier, the Womanizer, etc. Um, that that fit, that can feel quite affirming for, for both both sexes actually both sexes both genders all genders there's more did you know there's more than two genders Becky I did <laughs> um, um sorry I'm going off on a list now yes no
0: that's great I, I just love that name buck off I think that's that's such yes. a sexy name we're gonna go and get my buck off I like that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm also thinking you know I've noticed recently there's been a lot of toys that have come out that don't replicate the look of genitals um, mm. and i'm wondering if that could be something that is useful for people experiencing gender dysphoria as well maybe you know using a toy that doesn't remind you of genitals could perhaps be helpful
1: absolutely yeah yeah i mean like like those suction toys for instance yeah. you know that's um you know for, for some trans guys use it and kind of some of them look less i don't know fem than the others because there are a million different satisfiers to to, to have but um Yeah, uh, and it's brilliant that companies are creating more toys that don't look like genitals. Mm. Um, But ironically, if I can just say, some trans women enjoy having a fleshlight that looks like a vagina. Mm. So when they're having sex with their partner, they can kind of use the fleshlight to receive penetration. Um, It's kind Ah, of like like, um, a a pop-on vagina, for instance. You know, just like a pop-on penis when you're using a strap-on, for instance. Um, But yeah, and of course... um, yeah, I'm just thinking about how some people look at um, toys and uh, look at sex toys in a kind of penetra- penetrative way. Um, and, and I kind of go, you know, don't, don't worry about the pe- Well, it depends what you like. But for a lot of trans people, actually, um, penetration can cause distress, you know, so for mm. trans women who were trying to imagine that, Anal sex is more like vaginal sex, but it's a completely different experience. And then for trans men who are trying to imagine um, that, you know, to to experience penetration through their vagina or front Mm -hmm. hole, um, that can be really distressing. So I I reckon stay with anything that vibrates. That's, Mm. you know, and that there's more, there are more erogenous zones on the body than just the genitals, of course. And and like, seriously, there are so many more erogenous zones. And that's something I talk about my clients with too. Talk about with my clients yeah. too
0: <laughs> and what can the listeners do if their friends their partners their lovers their sisters um, tell them that they have gender dysphoria tell them that they are non-binary that they are trans what can they do to support that person
1: is not ask too many questions mm-hmm. um so if you if you know somebody who has recently um told you that they're trans um check in with yourself and see why am i asking these questions you know why where's the curiosity coming from is it to satisfy yourself and generally it is unfortunately all you really need to know as a trans ally as a as a cisgender person is what their pronouns are and how they experience their gender so those are two lovely questions to ask you know mm-hmm. okay Oh yeah, what, what do you want me to know about your gender? How how do you want me to see you? You know, mm-hmm. how would you want me to see you and what pronouns do you want me to use and um and then um anything else, Google it and and you know, find out the tra- you know which trans YouTubers you can watch and things um because Um, it's not down to your trans friend or partner to educate you on everything but then when it comes to to having a a lover or a partner then it is different and there there are a lot more conversations to be had there Mm. yeah
0: yeah and I think um calling them by their chosen name if they want to change their name right
1: (laughs) complicated that that's a race (laughs) yes there's also that I skipped (laughs) over that exactly and there's another thing actually is is um of, you know there's a difference between being oh I'm fine with trans people I've got a trans friend and I use their right pronouns but there's that but there's also if in the company of people and you hear other people misgendering your yes. friend you te- you tell them to stop misgendering and say just remind them of what your friends yeah. pronouns are um but I mean that's that's lovely ally behavior
0: yeah well that's being like a true ally I think yeah yeah, yeah
1: I, d- I don't know I recently saw on the news that Lizzo. Um,
0: oh
1: uh, yeah Lizzo was was um being interviewed by by some press people and they're talking about Demi Lovato mm-hmm. um oh my gosh have I just mixed that no Demi Lovato who's recently come out as non-binary <laughs> uh, <laughs> I Demi, Demi Lovato recently come out of non-binary non with they them pronouns and then the a reporter was asking Lizzo are you going to work with her are you going to do anything with her and Lizzo was like those aren't Demi's pronouns. Mm. Use they them pronouns and yes. um, oh, so powerful. It, it means so much. It means so much to have somebody correcting somebody on your behalf sometimes because it's really tiring. Yes,
0: I can imagine. Yeah. 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 And if someone is listening to this podcast and they are experiencing dysphoria, what should they do?
1: <sighs> That's such a good question.
0: Yeah. Um, and you gave some brilliant resources earlier on. Is that what they should do first or should they go speak to someone?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose if, if you're experiencing dysphoria and um, you don't know if you are trans, for instance, then and you want to find that out, then first of all, go to your GP and get referred to the gender identity clinic because the waiting list is ridiculous. And so whilst you're, as in, I'm talking two, three, four years long, um so so go to the doctor get referred and then think about it whilst you're on the waiting lists because I did the I did it the opposite way I thought long and hard about it for for far too long and then I got on the waiting list and I had to wait another two two and a half years to actually see somebody to get assessed um but if we're talking about dysphoria during sex um obviously I'm available for therapy Mm um
0: you can get added to the waiting list
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, for instance, there are some sexual health clinics who are better than others, you know, um, so so they're a good place to go to. Um, There are place. there are some lovely communities online, um, but I've already said that already. Um, I think
0: that's a valuable point to mention more than once because that is such most people have the internet and it's such a great way to connect with other people who may be experiencing Mm -hmm. similar issues have been there and can talk you through what they have done so i think as someone who is if they are recently experiencing gender dysphoria and they just have no idea what's happening where should i go then facebook online communities that's amazing Mm -hmm. because it just opens up the possibility to connect with so many people
1: it does, and actually, that's brought that to mind. Uh, Reddit apparently is a huge resource. Hmm. Uh, so many of my clients use Reddit. Um, yeah, so so go there. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, just just I suppose that my big my big message with dysphoria is, um, it's it's okay to not like all the bits of your body, but but try and focus more on what you do like. Um, I remember being told this by a friend a couple of years ago. Like they were like, but what gives you euphoria? And ever mm. since then, that's what my focus has been on. It's like, okay, so for now, until you get your, uh, until you get to the point where whether you do or don't want surgery, um, find, you know, just about it's all. That's also about desire in general. Is focus on what you do like. Focus on what does make you feel good. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's energy better spent. Mm.
0: Yeah. Ree, really, it's been awesome to have you here today. I've definitely learned a lot. Can you okay, please okay. tell the listeners where they can find you?
1: Yes. So um, my website is sexandrelationshiptherapy.co.uk, and then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram on Mux, which is M X <laughs> Mux re Kemp Davis. So that's spelt R H I A K E M P D A V I E S um i don't post that often but i am there if, if people want to to yeah. uh, see what i'm doing
0: definitely sometimes. should yeah and definitely. i will post all of that in the show notes page as well as those dating apps that we spoke about that we're going to pop on there as well yes um it was awesome thank you so much for joining me today
1: oh thank you so much